Amen. Thank you, Frank. What an amazing time of worship this morning. Thanks to all of you who helped to lead us in that time of worship. I've heard wonderful um, stories about the women's time yesterday as they gathered together, over 100 women gathering to learn about how to be ambassadors for Christ, how to share their faith in whatever part of the community, uh, workplace, neighborhoods that God has placed them. It's a passion of ours to become a church increasingly that as we ground our lives in prayer, we share the gospel of Jesus with others. So uh, I'm excited with what God is doing. When I was in high school, I used to run track, uh, but I only ran the short distances. I, I ran the sprints, did the relays, did hurdles. Anytime it stretched out to a long distance, I just didn't have it in me. I didn't have endurance. I was a little bit like, you, you've seen the commercial for the Energizer Bunny, you know, it just keeps going and going, and then there's the other one that just sort of, mm, mm, mm. that was me. I could start out fast, but I couldn't keep going. As believers, we're called to keep going. We are called to endure. We are called to last in our faith. In fact, as the scriptures put it, as we see today in Hebrews chapter 10, to live by faith. If you have your Bibles, if you'd open them to Hebrews chapter 10, we're in the last verses of Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, as many of us know, is a whole chapter unpacking the beauty of faith. But in chapter 10, we've been reminded that as believers, because Jesus is our high king and because he is our high priest, because he has offered a singular sufficient sacrifice for our sins, we now are to draw near to one another. We are to encourage one another. We're to build one another up. We are to be very, very careful that we don't continue sinning after having been enlightened by the Word of God because it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That was what we saw last week. But then this week, as the Spirit of God prepares us to look at what faith looks like and how faith exhibits itself, we're called to have an enduring faith. The chapter ends, this chapter ends talking about faith that lasts, faith that endures. How does faith endure? How do we keep going so that more than an energizing bunny, which eventually you're going to have to replace the batteries for, we just keep going. We endure to the end. Well, this, these verses this week unpack that for us. If you have your Bibles open, the, if you're using the Bible in the seat in front of you, I think the page numbers, the two different versions that we have there, large print and small print, the page numbers would probably be on the screen as well. But this morning, we begin in chapter 10, looking at verse 32. And I'd like us to read just at the beginning here, 32 through the beginning of 36. But recall the former days, when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those who were so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, 
for you have need of endurance. Begins in verse 32, say, you endured a hard struggle. Now in verse 36, you have need of endurance. You see, faith endures. The last verses that we looked at last week talked about people who have heard the, the gospel. They have ex been exposed to the knowledge of the truth. They find themselves in church. They may even think they are Christians. They may have even deceived themselves that they are Christians, but their behavior reveals something else because behavior reveals what we truly believe. And it's a dangerous, fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. So we need to examine ourselves and make sure that we truly are new creations, not perfect, not living without fail, without fall, without sin, but that we are not consistently walking in sin. But now the Holy Spirit encourages the people. That's a hard message to hear where that verse ends in verse 31. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And so the Holy Spirit encourages this group of believers, these Hebrew Christians, new believers, maybe a second generation of Christians, and he wants them to not fail. He doesn't want them to fall. He wants to re renew their strength. But what he says is real faith endures. Faith is not just something that we're saved by. Faith is something that we live by. So often as evangelical believers, we think of saving faith, and saving faith is critical. We, we say we are saved by faith. We are saved by faith. Hebrews, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. But we live by faith. And that's the message of the Spirit of God in these verses. In these first verses, verses 32 to 34, the Spirit says, in order to keep strong in your faith, remember, recall your past experience of faith. Because when we remember our past walk with God, when we first became believers, it strengthens our faith for today because we're going to face challenges today. So remember your past experience. Do you remember when you were first a Christian? when you first placed your faith in Jesus? Frank was mentioning that he first placed his faith in Jesus in 1983. I don't know what year it was for you. I remember when I first placed my faith in Jesus. I remember that night as I knelt in our living room with my parents and I asked the Lord to come into my life to take my sins away. And I remember even though I was pretty young, just an elementary student, I remember immediate changes that began to happen in my life within the next week. Things that I had been doing, habits that I had been getting into, immediately when I started walking down that path, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, you don't do that anymore. The Holy Spirit makes us to be new creations. Do you remember when you came to faith? Do you remember the boldness you had? The courage you had to share your faith with people. You, you wanted everyone to know what Jesus had done for you. You weren't so concerned about what they were thinking about you. That's what the Holy Spirit reminds these believers of. They had already endured many hard struggles. They had suffered for their faith. And the Holy Spirit mentions four specific ways that they had suffered for their faith. In verse 33, the Holy Spirit says that they had been publicly exposed to reproach. 
and, and also to, to affliction. They had been laughed at. They had been scoffed. The word reproach is a word used for verbal abuse. So people had jeered at them. People had ridiculed them. People had laughed at them for being followers of Jesus. Public exposure is really hard, isn't it? Because it, it marks us in our school, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, we become marked. This is the kind of person this person is. And, and the rest of our life is going to be changed because of how we've been marked. And when we are marked with ridicule, when people are scoffing at us and jeering at us, it is difficult. But I'm reminded of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Luke chapter 6, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you. Has that ever happened to you in, the, in, in society? You've been excluded because of your faith in Jesus? And when they revile you and they spurn your name as evil, they, make, they reproach you. They say, what kind of person are you? They begin to jeer at you. That's what was happening to these people. Jesus says you are blessed when all of that happens on account of the Son of Man. You see, they can spurn our name as evil. They can wreck our reputation. But when they do that because we're followers of Jesus, Jesus says we are blessed. There are times when we may, as believers, be excluded from certain parts of society. We may not be invited to certain events because people know that we live life differently and it wouldn't work with what they're going to be doing there. Sometimes when we speak about Jesus, even just a comment can get blank stares coming back at us or sometimes even ridicule. I was talking to a friend of mine this last week who said, in his workplace, all he has to do is say something like, God bless you, and the response he normally gets from his coworkers is, God has nothing to do with it. How often do we get ridiculed? Do we get jeered because of our faith? That was happening to these people. But the Spirit of God reminds them, you stood firm. That didn't change your faith, your trust in God. Secondly, there in verse 33 as well, they openly associated with other believers who were treated like that. They weren't ashamed to, be, to associate with others who were set aside, who were ridiculed, who were scorned. They even, verse 34, went to the prisons and fed the prisoners who were Christians. In those days, if you were in prison, you needed people to bring you food. They, you, they weren't going to feed you on, you, on your own. They, the prisons were just, you had to find somebody to bring you food. Remember, even Paul asked Timothy to bring him blankets and help him stay warm. These Christians went to the prisons when their brothers and sisters in Christ were in prison, knowing that by going, they were exposing themselves as Christians. Knowing that by showing their face at that prison, they were identifying with the very reason these people were in prison. But they had done it. They weren't ashamed of the gospel. And they had even had, in verse 34, their property plundered. Now, for us as Westerners, as Americans, that would be a tough one, wouldn't it? Property rights are pretty important to us. But look at that in verse 34. You accepted joyfully the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. What the Spirit of God does there is take two words, 
property and possession in English. In, in the original language, they have the same root word. And so the Holy Spirit uses a play on these two words to contrast them. Property is something here on earth that doesn't last, that can be plundered, that could be taken away. It's, it's not long-lasting. But possessions? Possessions are eternal. They are stored up in heaven. They are going to last forever. So the, the earthly property can be lost easily, but the permanent possessions in heaven last forever. And look at their response. They joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. Why? Because they were looking forward to possessions that would last forever. They were future-focused. That's what faith always is. When we get into chapter 11, we're going to see that faith is always looking forward. We think of faith in the moment, but faith is always future-focused. And these people were able to be joyful because they knew that they had a possession that no one could take away. Now, when they lost these properties, it had to be devastating. We know that Christians in these early generations would have their properties confiscated. We know that they were shoved out, pushed out of Rome. We talked about that last week, how the Christians had been expelled from the capital city of the empire on false allegations that they had started this, the city on fire. We know that Emperor Domitian, we are told by Eusebius, who was an early historian, that he hated God and he hated anyone who followed God and he plundered their property. These people had lost everything. It hurt. They no longer had a way to feed themselves. They no longer had a way to sleep out of the rain. It wasn't simple. It was difficult. And yet they rejoiced because they had possessions that no one could take away. They, they remembered what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, again the Sermon on the Mount, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and seal. But lay up for yourselves treasures, possessions, eternal possessions in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Today, it's not too often that here in America we would lose our possessions, that they'd be taken from us simply because we're believers. We could lose a promotion at work. We might lose some friends. We might lose an opportunity to get a certain job because we won't compromise our ethics or compromise truth. But like Paul, we need to be able to say, as he said in Philippians 3, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Nothing of this earth matters in comparison to what we have in heaven. So here on earth, we have earthly property. In heaven, we have permanent possessions. And it's because they understood that that they held firm to their faith. The Holy Spirit says, recall the former days. In order for us to stand firm, to endure, we need to recall when we first met Jesus and the joy we had, the strength we had, the boldness we had. 
But then there's a second thing the Spirit of God says to them in verses 35 to 39. You have a present responsibility. Not only past experience that's going to build your faith, but a present responsibility in that faith. Beginning, excuse me, beginning with verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet, and now he's quoting from Malachi and from Habakkuk, yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The Spirit of God says, as you remember your past experience, now you have a present responsibility. And the first part of that responsibility is that you hold fast to your confidence. Don't throw your confidence away. Now, what's interesting about confidence is the original word used for confidence here comes, it was developed by the Greeks. Remember, the New Testament is written in Greek. This word was developed by the Greeks when they were developing democracy in Greece. And the word that is used for confidence is a word that was used, what we would say, freedom of speech. In a democracy, the, philosophies, the philosophers in Athens said, if a democracy is to be strong, you need to have the freedom to speak what you believe. You can't be judged for what you believe. Everyone can say what they believe. Out of that philosophy of democracy, which we hold tightly to in America, comes this word, which our English translations translate as confidence. So what is the Holy Spirit saying? Don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your bold communication of Jesus. Don't stop telling people what you believe about Jesus. This is your right and your duty as a follower of Jesus. Be free. Speak the truth and do it in love. Don't discard it. Why? Because there's a reward. You're always looking forward. We're going to look at that in just a moment, but faith always looks forward. These early believers were probably tempted to withdraw, to just begin to be quiet, because some of them have been thrown in jail. We're going to see that in a little bit. Some of them have suffered for their faith. We've just been told that. And when that happens, we begin to become quiet. That can happen to us in America. Just a few decades ago, it was seen as a very good thing in our culture to be a Christian. Even for people who weren't Christians, that was seen as a value. You ha if you're a Christian, you have good values. Increasingly in America, that is not valued. Increasingly, we are ridiculed. And our tendency could be, like this second generation of believers, to just sort of withdraw, huddle up together, and be quiet about our faith. And what does the Spirit of God say? You have a present responsibility to speak up. That's why our women gathered yesterday in the Fellowship Hall to learn about how to share their faith, how to do that appropriately, to be bold, but to do it in a way that can be heard, in a way that people will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 36, he says, you have need of endurance for that when, for that, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Again, looking forward, so that you'll receive a gift, a promise from God, you need to have endurance. What is he talking about the will of God here for? 
when you have done the will of God. You see, to endure in our faith is the will of God. So often we think of faith as a moment in time. I had faith that God would do this for me. Or I, I was six years old and I knelt down and I prayed and asked Jesus to come in my heart and that was a, the moment of faith in my life. No, we live by faith. It's a consistent pattern in our life. We need to endure and that is the will of God for us. God's will here is not whether I should get married to this person or not. God's will here is not should I get this job or, or not. God's will here is for every single believer that we are faithful that we endure in our faith. We don't wear down, we don't wear out, we don't shrink back. Instead, we confidently step forward and share the gospel with others. We need endurance. That's our present responsibility. We need confidence to speak God's word. And we need to live by faith. Quoting Malachi and and uh, Habakkuk in verses 37 and 38, he combines those two prophets. And he says, although it may seem like the Lord hasn't come back and you wish he had already returned, you need to endure because my righteous one, verse 38, will live by faith. Notice he doesn't say we'll be saved by faith. Yes, we're saved by faith. Notice he doesn't say you'll come to me with faith in a certain time of prayer. Yes, we do do that. But this is far more comprehensive. This is every moment of every day we are living by faith. We are trusting him. Even when the road is tough, when we wonder where God is, the psalmist writes multiple times, Psalm 119, one of those sections in Psalm 119, the psalmist says, where are you, O Lord? When will you come to me? But we still live by faith. The one who shrinks back, verse 38, God says, my soul takes no pleasure in him. Do you remember the, the movie Chariots of Fire? Eric Little is quoted in that movie as saying, when I run, I feel God's pleasure, right? When we live by faith, we can feel God's pleasure. God says, I have no pleasure when my people don't live by faith. Just coming to him once in a while when life gets desperate is not what God is looking for. He's looking for a constancy, a consistency of trusting him by faith. And all of this, our past experience when they lost their property, they were looking forward to eternal possessions, permanent possessions. Our present responsibility before the Lord, all of it is based on a future hope. All of it is based on a reward to come. It's mentioned over and over and over again. Look at verse 36. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Look at verse 39 at the very end. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls looking forward. We already looked at when they lose their possessions in verse 34, but they are looking forward. They look, lose their property, but they're looking forward to eternal possessions in heaven. There is a promised reward. 
You know, sometimes we think if you're a good Christian, you're not going to be looking forward to just rewards. You just don't, don't be reward motivated. That's a poor motivation. Well, if it's poor motivation, I don't know why God keeps bringing it up. The Lord keeps bringing it up. He says over and over again, do this because you have a great reward awaiting for you. It's not the streets of gold that we're looking for. It's far more than that. It's God himself. It's being in his presence. It's enjoying him forever. Our lives have to be future-focused. Faith is always future-focused. You know, motivational speakers say that you should live with the end in mind, right? Well, we live with the end in mind, and by the way, the end is never coming to an end. It goes on forever. We live with that in mind, and because He has prepared for us what no eye has ever seen and no ear has ever heard. What awaits you if you have put your faith in Jesus alone is far more than you could ever imagine. Far more than the greatest things you have ever thought of. Because that is awaiting us, we can endure anything now. God promises a reward for persevering faith. You have need of endurance, verse 36, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what you have promised. He's going to explain in chapter 11 that the saints of old in the Old Testament, they had received promises under that first covenant, the Mosaic covenant. They had received many promises that they never saw with their eyes. They just trusted And what we have been promised is even more because we have a great high priest, because Jesus has offered a singular sufficient sacrifice for our sins. And so we have a hope, we have a future, and because we have our eyes on the future, we live differently today. We have a persevering faith that, as the the Spirit of God says, preserves our souls. It keeps us holding on to God. That faith is a gift from God in the first place, right? We don't conjure up that faith. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it's a gift from God. It's not from works. It's not something that we conjure up. God gives us faith, but we hold on to it. We persevere with it. We live life every day looking forward to that future. And that greatest part of that hope, that reward in heaven is God himself. As David said over and over and over again in the songs he wrote in the Old Testament, you are my portion. Yes, there will be something like streets of gold, but that's just little things. There's going to be a river of life flowing from the throne of God, but that's coming from where? From him. It's God himself who is our reward, to be in his presence, in the holy of holies, as we saw in verse 19 of this chapter, to have access into the very presence of God where no access was ever allowed. We have access because of Jesus. That is glory. That is our hope. So the Spirit of God says, brothers and sisters, you are engaged in a battle. Don't shrink back but endure. 
That word endure is literally a military word for soldiers on the battlefield facing huge obstacles, but they will not be moved. You have need of endurance, he says. Because the reward after we have endured is more than we can ever imagine. As Jesus' soldiers in the battlefield that we are a part of in this world, a battle between not just good and evil, between God and the enemy of the souls of men. We are part of that battle, and God wants soldiers who don't quit and don't desert when life gets tough. We can't afford to be people who begin well and then wash out. He says, hold on. You have need of endurance. Faith endures. So remember your past experience, the boldness and the joy you had when you first came to know Jesus. Recognize your present responsibility before the Lord to boldly share the gospel, that word confidence. Speak freely about Jesus Christ regardless of the cross. And always hang on to the promised reward. Keep future focused. We live today because we are absolutely confident of what is coming forever. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we so worship you, we adore you, we are so thankful that you have given us faith, a gift from you. You have provided us with a way of salvation through your own death on the cross and your resurrection from the dead. And now you call us to endure. We thank you so much, those of us who know you, for the joy that we had when we first became believers. Help us to remember that. And Lord, if there's someone in this room today who has not yet trusted you and you alone, please help them to seek you, to ask you to forgive them for their sins because you alone, Lord Jesus, give us access to God the Father. And then help us to be enduring Christians, to have faith that lives every single day Keep our eyes on you, future-focused faith. Thank you so much that you honor us with the opportunity to be your foot soldiers in the battle that is raging today. Help us to live by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.